0: Big sky, big potential. This is Eastern Promise. There can be no doubt that the history of computers and computing is intertwined, like the wires and cables under our desks, with the history of the East of England. And nowhere is that more true than in Cambridge. The pioneering and classic video games of the 80s were not only created here in Cambridge, they still are, with companies like Frontier and Jagex. Arm, based at nearby Babraham, are the name in superconductors. And it's also here in Cambridge, where the history of computing is presented to the world in a hugely fun, quirky and passionate way, at the Centre for Computing History regular listeners may recall that I visited the centre to record an interview with the wonderful Susan Gowling, founder of Laptops for Learning. But I was so taken with the centre and its exhibits that I press-ganged Adrian Page-Mitchell, collections officer at the Centre for Computing History, to share with me, and with you, the wonders on show. We couldn't come to the Centre for Computing History and not talk to the Centre for Computing History, Adrian Page Mitchell, whose name is handily on a badge in front of him, collections officer, thank you so much for letting us come to and, uh, and enjoy the Centre today. You are more than welcome. And I'm looking around, and not only the, the innards of, of a computer are around us and all these, these boards, do you just, just describe, I'm just going to describe to the listeners, his memory, and it says game over on that, which is probably not, not, not the most suspicious start, but that's beside the point control and uh, input-output, state machine and status flags, inputting, instruction and decoding, special purpose registers, arithmetic, ar- arithmetic and logic unit, and general purpose registers. This amazing banker's of red lights, circuit boards and wires. What does it represent? It is a very, very
1: large processor, like CPU. Yeah. So the central processing unit you, you, would, see, you would have in your phone or any of your old computing equipment... This is everything that the um, processor needs and is. So it's in the Guinness Book of Records. It is the largest working processor in the world. Hey. So yeah, look it up in the Guinness Book of Records. It is there. And it was built here in Cambridge by a gentleman called James Newman, who still is the caretaker for it. So we look after it, we store it, but if something goes wrong with it, he will come and put it right. He also brings university students here to look at it as well. And we also use it when we get sixth form students in. We will teach them about computer architecture by almost, if you like, almost stepping
0: inside this giant CPU. Oh, wow. Do you know, I, I, I looked up this build I found this place. And just thought, oh, this looks a really interesting place to do my previous interview with Susan Gowling of Laptops for Learning, who repurposes, refurbishes tech. What a great place to come. And here I am in, you know, it's a Guinness... Uh, Guinness record holder, world record holder for the, for the largest processor. Now, just to turn around here, we've got, you know, Sir Clive Sinclair, a cabinet of Sinclair calculators and, and uh, you know, Cambridge Scientific. Um, yes, absolutely. Just talk us through some of these, perhaps? Yes, yeah, so um, up at the top here, we've got things
1: that people not, might not know Sinclair used to build, which, so we've got his multimeter. Hey and a little radio amplifier below it. Um, actually, the case is designed by his brother, I believe, Ian Sinclair. Then we've got uh, No his calculators Oops. within here, appreciate- and it's all down to a whole load of things you might not think he would have done, like um, a, car, a car clock. Right! And um, we've got some of his special calculators here, so the sovereign ones, and even one f- Dates from 1977, which was the Jubilee one. Oh, my goodness. Jubilee edition with the crown on it there. It certainly has. And, yes, we've got some incredibly rare survivals here. So we've got, for instance, in there, we've got the Sporting Life betting calculator, (laughs) which is the only one we've ever seen. But he was such a pioneer. I mean, we've got these
0: early calculators here. We've got a calculator wristwatch. Yes, Um, I saw that when I was in it a minute ago. And how fascinating... Um, to, to, so early, he seemed like a man who was sort of completely ahead of his time, oh, and technology yeah. wasn't quite ready for him. In all so
1: based. many ways, I mean, see in the main gallery, we've got his car up on top of oh wow one of the units, and um, of course, ridicule back in the day because it was so small and it had to have a big flag on the back so it didn't get hit by a bus or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, of course, now what we've got uh, exactly what he was talking about at the time. He was talking about you park your car outside Cambridge. And you would get one of these little cars into Cambridge on special lanes and all the rest of And of course at the time we got laughed at, but now what have we got? We've got park and rides mm. and we have
0: got electric vehicles going down cycle lanes. Yeah, it, it, it is incredible. And I actually sit, used to see on my way to work in, in Diss in Norfolk, from Attleborough in, also in Norfolk, there was, I think it was one of the, lo- uh, the sort of high school students was going in in a C5. And I pass him most mornings. And so, you know, obviously there's there's a lot of people still really fascinated
1: with what what this chap did. Absolutely. I mean, we've got a video where he's talking about the biggest thing that the country needs. This is somewhere like 1987, somewhere like that, I Mm -hmm. think it was. The biggest thing the country needs is a rail route from London all the way up up to Edinburgh. And, of course, he's talking about the HSR.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Long, long before
1: (laughs) it's... um, even a thing yeah yeah. and of course he said if we don't start building it now we'll never be able to afford it and of course what's it do it stops at Leeds
0: yes now doesn't it and now and the HS2 seems to be running you know there's all, the, the, in this week there's all sorts of news about that running into the uh, metaphorical buffers yeah and, absolutely. And, and behind me do you know I never there's, I, I was, there's a case of the sort of personal computers that were around just before um, my time very you know in the kind of 70s am I right in saying and um these, these, uh, from around the world, these examples, um, incredible. Do you, could you just g- give us a, you know, we've got computers from France, from Argentina. I mean, there's one that looks a bit like uh, Sir Clive Sinclair need to call, needed to, to call his lawyers. Hong Kong. T- um, <laughs> I can, I'm going to call it Taiwan. Yeah, it's, um, Taiwan. it's Taiwan. Um, Yeah. <laughs> and Australia. So w- w- what, what, what? Can you sort of categorise or... Ref- yeah, so what basically...
1: What uh, I've got a little introduction up here. So some countries would licence the technology mm-hmm. properly. So uh, Timex partnered with Sinclair. Yes. And uh, they had them made in their Dundee factories. So this, even though it looks like Spectrum, is actually ZX81. Mm-hmm. Um, as is the one next to it. They've just got... A, this one's just got a bit more memory. And um, we've, we've got this... We've got all these uh, clone machines here. Yeah. Um, so some did them legally, but other countries, such as we've got the little Didadek, which Czechoslovakia, of course, they couldn't license the technology, so they'd reverse-engineer it. Yeah. So here is another synclo clone here. Um, we've got other machines that we never would have seen on these shores, but like the Comex here. And, of course, very, very big over in, um, or built in, Hong Kong. And... Yeah, imported to places like the Netherlands. They did make it here, but in tiny numbers. And then um, you've got other, so we've got the Radio Shack machines here, and of course they were
0: taken over to France as the Alice. Right! So. Oh, yes, of course! I can see. They are, you know, literally, this Radio Shack. Uh, in a sort of off-white uh, case, and then all the identical machine in France, which is obviously, yeah. obviously, yeah. very sleek and, you know, red and all of that. Um, Excellent. And, and, you know, you see, you, we've got this, this Thomson machine, again, that's uh, from France, uh, with, with the tape deck incorporated, and that's where, you know, I remember, I did, never had one, but friends of mine having Amstrad's with the tape, tape drive at the end. Um, Fascinating stuff. Absolutely, and we've got some
1: of the more the spectrum machines down here. So Mm. these were by Sooney over in Argentina. Yeah. So basically, they would take the Portuguese Sinclair, which was also Timex, and then it was taken over to their factory where they would rebuild it, put it in a new case. And quite often improved. So we've got the, like, the little TK80X. looks exactly like a Spectrum, but just much taller. Yeah. Because they gave it extra room to breathe. They put a joystick port in it. Right, and very important. So it was actually an improvement on the original design. And that would have been, these would, machines would have been people's very first experiences of computers right. in their
0: countries. Ret- a the very nice retro arcade over there, which was, which was giving a very nice... Um, Soundtrack uh, to my last interview, uh, yeah, and because um, that, that's big business now. Because you've got, I mean, in, I don't know if you've got one in Cambridge, but in Norwich, there's a there's a big retro arcade bar. There is in the um, castle in, port, the ca- isn't it? in the castle yeah. port, absolutely. So, have you? Did you guys have anything to do with that? Or we've been to visit
1: them. yeah, so you know we do leaflet shares and that kind of thing. But yeah, one day we had to we had to take a trip there specifically for that. Um, yeah.
0: Because you do do retro gaming events, don't you? We do. We do them here, yes. Um,
1: But it's just really great to get hold of so many arcade machines that they had there. And obviously we've got a much, much smaller, modest collection here. But uh, it still gives our visitors an experience of how you would have first played these, these games. Yeah, right. So um, what,
0: what, what, what can we, uh, we, we talk through next? Because it uh, you could lose yourself in it. It's fascinating. Yes, yeah, so why do of... we come through to our education room? The
1: 80s classroom, it the says the The 80s classroom, yes. Yeah. So through here, mm-hmm. first of all, we've got a display up the back there.
0: Yeah. Which has
1: got uh, basically a little timeline of education machines through mm-hmm. the years. So we start all the way back in 1978 with our research oh machines 380Z which is running one of the education programs from um, uh, Northamptonshire, I think. Ooh. Because um, obviously some, of the, some counties took research machines, some took acorn machines, and of course this is a very, very big part of the museum mm-hmm. story is acorn. So along here we have got some of our BBC micros. Yes. We've got little programming guides you can actually start right at the oh beginning of wow. coding. We've got, We've got these little have coding. got
0: this how, to, how to, to, do code, to do coding on the BBC Micro. <laughs> my goodness. I mean, I'm pretty sure my, my, my father-in-law slash engineer has got this uh, BBC Micro graphics and soundbook on his shelf at home. But, I mean, I'm of the vintage that remembers the RM Nimbus machine.
1: Absolutely. At school. Yes.
0: Not everyone had a laptop, you you had to go go to the actual computer room, and uh, and it's two to to an hour Nimbus. Absolutely, I mean they were colossally
1: expensive. Yeah. Um, They're based loosely on PC architecture, so um, you start off with the the normal Nimbus there, and then we've got like a 186 machine here. Yeah,
0: 186.
1: Yes. And then um, these ones we've actually still got connected to the servers. Oh yes. So if we actually reset it we can go back oh to the main me. menu here. Oh, my goodness teenager again, and yes, they're, they're coming. the coming time off of the actual server. So we wow. just wow. At the moment, we think these are the only two publicly accessible nimbuses linked to a server still in existence. Really? So yes. So well, here it we can. It, every day is a school day. We can learn it up, load it up, and then, yes, we can go into... Um, I'm sorry, here, I'm,
0: I'm, I'm, I'm going. I'm back to my school days now. <laughs> Daintree schooling in to... And we can load Granny's and Granny's Garden on there. Oh, my goodness there. me. Um, typical of these
1: old monitors, they do not half get Granny's awful garden. Lot of static on the machines there. Normally, as well, we have got file stores up here so that the um, BBC micros are connected to an Econet. Mm-hmm. Um, system. So all these eight BBCs that we normally have in here are linked together through this network. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, at the moment, the hard drive has decided it doesn't want to
0: work. They do that, don't they? They, from they time do, to time. Yes. I mean, I've I'm, I'm noticed that there's a display about the ARM processor, which is obviously yeah. a, you know, a huge name to do with Cambridge. And I know that uh, Dr. Mark... I'm going to say a quick shout-out to Dr. Mark Eastwood from ARM who is one of our regular listeners and often contributes on LinkedIn uh, to, to, to the, uh, my my, burbling, my burblings in text on oh, social yeah. media. But uh, yes, and of course we, in the early days of the museum, we have um, to thank for
1: helping to get the building into a habitable condition. Mm. So um, but you these, know, not just Cambridge, we've got a lot to yeah. be thankful yeah. for That's them as good well. Good. But yes, we've got our, of course, our big acorn collection And we do have an awful lot of BBC Micros. We tend to have them doing different things, like this one is normally uh, running its art program, because the brilliant thing with the um, BBC Micros was how completely expandable they were. So you would put new ROM chips in them to get them to do all kinds of things. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think I might have just switched that off. Nothing. Ah, that's why. So let's turn the pointer on. And then we go,
0: and now we've got this art program. Oh so my word. So we can actually come yeah. and load. And we're looking at, a, 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 you know, w- what kind of, this is the AMX super art we're looking at now, which is file, edit goodies. And there's a, a I don't want to be unkind, but a basic art program the that Absolutely. many of us remember from our youth. Yeah. Um, what kind of vintage is, oh, yeah. is, is this? So the BBC
1: Micro is 1981. Right. Yeah. And um, it was in schools until about 1985. Uh, there was the wonderful program where the because obviously it's called the BBC, the same mm-hmm. company, obviously for younger viewers that produces your EastEnders. It says British Broadcasting Corporation in full on the yes. uh, on there. So Acorn won the competition to produce the machine. And then the BBC produced a whole load of TV programmes where they would basically teach the country to code. Right. And all these programmes were produced, Micro Live, I believe they were called, famous presenters, and um, they would show you how to code your computer and get, your, get the most from it. The big problem was the BBC Micro was very, very expensive. <laughs> so £399 in, like, 1981 is about yeah. 1500 in today's money. Jeez. So people could not afford them. Um, so people were buying the Commodore 64 and the Spectrum for home. Mm. Different basic languages, of course. Yeah. So they didn't get that many of these into people's homes, but very, very widespread through schools. Mm. I mean, I used them at, at uh, school. Oh, and yeah. I say, up until 1985, and then they actually, yeah. to the surprise of a great many people, they um, produced yeah, well, BBC now. Micro. Right. Because um, things like the PC were still very, very expensive in 1985, but they Yes, I recall. And then, the, yes, they, they came up with things like the Doomsday Project. Yeah, so yeah. I remember when I was a young lad at ah, school... Ah, the BBC no. Doomsday yes. system, yes. No, 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 no. We went all because the way round... Um, Newmarket was my town. It's right. So, um, we had to say how many churches were there, what shops were in the town... Um, try and find some um, information on the population and all the rest of it. And Of course, um, Newmarket was a big horse racing town, or still is a big horse racing town. Yeah. And the only thing that I can see on this disc, because they come on these big laser discs, big 12-inch yes, laser there is discs... Yes,
0: it's about the size of a... you imagine a, a CD, but the size of a a 33? Yeah. A 33-inch record, for those who can't um, see this. So if we hopefully
1: type in Newmarket, yes.
0: For the kind of to go off, look on the disc for everything to do with Newmarket. Oh, yes, there's this LV-ROM player. Uh, text, towns in southwest Suffolk.
1: And these items have been found. I think that's all it's going to find, which is a bit. Uh, <laughs> I can never find out because that's my one photograph is still on here of a very angry-looking jockey. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I'm took, sure there's a
0: story attached. Yeah, I, I
1: took a photo of him and he took great, great exception to it. But here we go. It's um, Newmarket's population 16,235 in 1981, 34 stud farms. Tells you all about the, the town. It really does. You've and, got- um, It's absolutely amazing. Um, now, let's see if my picture comes up. It might do. It. Oh, no, we've just got a We've got land sat. Yes. Oh, Well. Uh, but, but, yeah, you can... Basically, this is a great snapshot of time. And, of course... Um, it certainly is.
0: I mean, it's... it's what, a, what a wonderful thing to do. I mean, I hope we, we, we still have that impulse to do something like that today. But it, it, it just seems like somebody sort of went, this is a good idea for the, you know, for the public good, let's get on with it. And how incredible. Yeah, but it says there 9,000
1: schools and 1 million people participated in the project. The big problem was that the system cost £5,150 in 1986, which yeah the price of a car. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the uptake, especially in schools, was...
0: It could have been better. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, this 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 in many ways, as I said, to come back to the the history of advertising trust, and I I mention it because it's 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 an issue that they're having with what digital obsolescence, this LV-ROM system, and they have to sort of like you keep um, being able to access all these assets because they never know when someone's going to bring in something that they're going to want to recover
1: on something like
0: an LV-ROM. Yes, so I mean, a few
1: years ago, the museum reversed-engineered this system. and um, Incredible. We were able to basically get all the information off, um, rebuild it, and if you go onto the Computing Histories website, you can actually use the system in, like, an emulated form. Mm. So that was our main motivation for... And, yet, even closer view of the map of, of so Newmarket and the racecourses. I'm determined Why to find my... you so hopefully, click on the photo.
0: Come on, come on, Mr. Because Jockey. we
1: were so disappointed when we rented the system,
0: our school. We were like, right, where's all the information? There he is. There he is. We we, we seen that. I'm going to take a photo of the. It's, it, it's got a flicker, but that's that's about half of the course. With the yes, Only 50 hertz picture. So of course. what's the? W- w- I, I see Tommy Flowers on this on this board of pioneers in computing, which which a name anyone has any dealings with BT. Uh, Tommy Flowers will be, will be uh, a familiar name, and you've got Alan Turing um, and so many others. Uh, but yes. it's those, those names that kind of stood out a bit, in terms of certainly in terms of an um, uh, East of England uh, connection. But um, where, where did the idea of the Centre for Computing History come from?
1: It originally came out of one man's collection. So, uh, basically, over in Haverhill in 2007, There was a gentleman by the name of Jason Fitzpatrick who basically had the, as he admits, more disposable income than he knew what to do with. And he just was buying computer parts. And then he filled a warehouse up. Mm. Then he filled another warehouse up. Yeah. And then um, he had all these wonderful machines sitting there but not telling a story. So a board of trustees was formed and decided to bring the museum to Cambridge where he was, we can start telling... Mainly, we go for the social angle, so how they've changed people's lives. Yes, I mean, yes, of yes. course. So we do touch on Tommy Flowers and um, Alan Turing and people of his ilk, uh, Charles Babbage. Yes. Um, so they're the beginning of the story, but you know, there's other other museums that will do that. Yeah, of course. Early history, but better than us, show. <laughs> so. But we are currently doing a very important project, so you mentioned the likes of um, Turing and Tommy Flowers. Have you heard of David
0: Kaminer and Mary Coons? I, I feel like I should have done, but my ignorance is going to have to display itself, I'm afraid. Yes,
1: so here in Cambridge, if we can go down... Absolutely. ...to the main gallery. Leave our education room behind. This, is, this, by the way, is where we get school children in. They come in, they do a bit of coding with the school. They'll get a tour around the museum. Very, very important part of what we do is the education side. Of course, of course. So um, then they'll do a bit of computer architecture. If they're smaller, we'll get them to identify computer objects, that kind of activity. And Mm. that's what our education team over there right now, they're working on something new. Excellent. Excellent. As they always are. Fantastic. If we come out into our main gallery...
0: You can see up on the the ceiling, these are our Ah, our computer pioneers. There are photographs all across the ceiling. Everyone will... uh, Bill Gates, immediately. Steve Jobs, uh, Steve Wozniak, also also recognisable, mainly because he keeps popping up on the Big Bang Theory. Indeed, Um, so we have Turing himself. And and Turing, um, absolutely. Wow! what we've actually got here... This is our... Oh, we're
1: going ...project for the Heritage Lottery Fund. Yes. Talk now, to me about that. Okay, so basically, in Cambridge, we had a computer called EDSAC. Right. It came online in 1949. Hey. And EDSAC was partly funded by the Lions Tea Company. You're kidding. Because the Lions Tea Company, uh, those of you who don't know, I think about the only thing left now is the Lions made ice cream. Yes. Um, but basically, they were getting swamped by paperwork. So you can see on our display in front of us, we've got a room in an old chapel where there's about 100 ladies at work being watched by these very stern gentlemen. They do look very stern. Some of them are doing the mathematics on their contometers here. Some are receiving the orders. Some are placing orders for ingredients. And then some are doing the payroll. Yes. So they thought to themselves, wouldn't it be great if we had one of these newfangled computers? Yeah. Two basically cut out the errors that are going on with this human computer. Indeed, Computers well-programmed cannot Ooh. make a mistake. Our brains can. Yes. So, they gave Cambridge University about £3,000... Yeah. ..to finish Ed Tackle and prove its concept. And then they took the design, and by 1951, they had enhanced
0: it and built what you see on the wall here, the Leo one. And, and it looks like... You know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that if you'd have told me that was Cape Canaveral in you know at the moon, moon about the time of the moon launch, I would have completely bought that. But yeah. it's not, it's Lions Electronic Office, Lions, Leo. Yes, and Lions it says Electronic and indeed Business. it does say Leo on there. Yes. Amazing. So we've got the Leo One team here. So uh
1: we've got John Pinkerton. And then we've got uh Ernest Leonards and of course we have David Cameron. All these great engineers, and who else have we got here? Some of the people, I mean, Jean Cox was another one. And we've got her name, but we don't know what it stands for, and that so often happens in the computing um, industry where some of their names are lost because we've got a very important lady on the banner behind us here. Mary Coons. So this is Mary Coombs. And she actually wrote the first ever commercial operations software. So the payroll, the ordering system. Um, her program even made the ice cream vans that went round the council estates so they used less petrol but sold more ice cream. Really? And Incr- yes, yeah, so she's the first female commercial programmer, and um, she stayed with ICL way,
0: way into, I believe, the nineteen seventies. That is incredible because these days you get people turning up on the telly, you know, vlogging this. At and that app for, you know, commercial absolutely commercial accounting and operations payroll, and and here you know here we've got a pull up banner of the people who who kicked it all off yeah. of, the, of the woman who kicked it all off. But what makes Leo so
1: important is what you're looking at there is the world's first business computer. Yes. Now what's brilliant about Leo One, going back to our Leo here, is that a lot of the other companies, massive companies in the country at the time, like Ford Motor Company. Yeah. Dunlop Tyres. They're looking at Leo 1 and they're going, crikey, that could do our accounts a lot quicker than we can. Yeah. So they started to buy time on Leo 1. Okay. So they would come in and they would do their work on there. And that actually led to um, the people at Leo thinking to themselves, why don't we put, start producing these computers and then we can sell them to these big companies. Yeah. So the Leo 2 came along and... Not an awful lot smaller than the um, Leo, but I can't remember. I think, it was, I think it was still Valve Technology, the Leo 2. And they sold about 14 of them. They went into the massive companies. And then these massive companies were becoming more and more efficient, making more and more money. Yeah. So then they streamlined the design and they come up with the Leo 3. <laughs> oh, my goodness Me. So the Leo 3 went into places like the post office to do pension payments benefit payments, that kind My of thing. God. And they only turned off the last Leo 3 in 1982. As recently as that? Yes. The team had come to Cambridge, taken the headset
0: design and... Run with it. R- yeah. And ran with it. Absolutely. And, and, and yeah. how many iterations of Leo were there after that? So, yeah, uh, it,
1: Leo's one, two and three. Right, but so there's about fourteen Leo twos, and that's something like
0: twenty six or something it, it, uh, it, Leo threes. What? Well, it's almost like a different way of life entirely, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. You just think, well, why don't you? You know, in in these days when everyone's got one on their desk, you just think. Buying time on a computer. Yeah, absolutely. But, I mean, of course, we, you know, in the, we go back to those where the, you know, the, the, with the moon, the moon landings. If you went to NASA and asked to see, see the computer, you'd be introduced to a human being. Absolutely. As, you know, yes. um, so bring
1: me the computer. You'd have, they'd have brought you a person. Yeah. So Ka- Kathleen Johnson was exactly in figures.
0: Yeah. Um, he said plugging a movie. <laughs> this has already blown my mind, but, uh, you know, let's let's, let's uh, yes, see us so more.
1: We can go into our room here, which actually has all four generations of the computer you can see before you here. So, right, we've got one piece from EDSAC 2, so they built the original EDSAC in 1949.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It became immediately overworked because basically the whole university was using it. So Cambridge <laughs> University decide, let's build a bigger computer, but let's make it five times more powerful. But that meant having these huge valves that you'd normally yeah. see, like, amplified some things, had to be five times larger. Yeah. So this is one of its arithmetic units. This is a pretty much all that survives out in the wild. We think Cambridge <laughs> University have got more of it, but... Um, yeah. Cough it up, In fellas. the Cambridge Maths Lab, exactly. Yeah. Um, and you can see Sydney Barton putting one of the chassis into one of the units. So there are 26, I believe, of these in one unit, and then yeah. there are 20 of those units. It's it's another world, isn't it? So, everything would have come out onto paper, so you'd have had something like the teletype here. So this would have been your display. Everything would have rattled out onto paper. You would have programmed your um, punch tape. If you wanted your punch tape in another um, language, you would Mm -hmm. need a compiler tape. (laughs) So we've got a Fortran compiler tape there. You would load that in first. Load in your tape, it would give you a new tape of that program compiled as you required it. Um, This is our oldest working machine, this is our Elliot. So this is a second generation machine. So the, imagine, Leo, um, not Leo, EDSAC 2, if it was here today, would probably fill this main gallery. (laughs) God. And power-wise, we've got a one kilowatt heater keeping us warm down here. Yeah. EDSAC 2 would use the equivalent of 70 of those heaters. So 70,000
0: watts of power. I heard tell, out at Orford Ness, and what I love is we're keeping this in the eastern region, which is kind of my, my, my bailiwick, my self-appointed bailiwick, when it was all valves and, and, and the big, the big um, radar array, the Dragon Radar Array out at Orford Ness, the top-secret one we're not supposed to know about. Yeah. Uh, uh, that became be a BBC facility. And they didn't need any heaters, because the tech kept them exactly. warm. And when it yeah. went to digital, it's like, oh, my God, it's freezing in here now. Because all of a sudden the valves had gone, they'd switched to digi- you know, more, more digital, uh, digital yes. system. And suddenly that, that source of heat had been taken from them. So it's all yeah. extra coats and, uh, and, you know, one kilowatt heaters, they boys. They actually had to and build the
1: um, air conditioning system for EDSAC before they installed it. Right. Um, and it had a big silver chimney on the outside of the building, and someone actually told us that uh, the years it worked, which was 58 to 72, it actually cracked every single brick on the outside of the building with the amount of heat really? that it got out of the system. Absolutely incredible. And then, of course they start using the transistor rather than the big yep. expensive slow valve. Yes, you imagine I see. You, put, you put power into the valve and it slowly heats the gases and clicks open. And then um, it's, you take the power and it cools down and clicks shut. Imagine how, much slower that is than you've, even the transistor that's a
0: switch. Switches on and off. You've just explained to me how valves work, and I don't know why I never knew that, but I didn't, and you've just it's explained a that to a very simplified me. way of saying how they work. I know, but yeah. it worked for me, so thank you for that. You've, that's, you know, like I say, every day is a school day. And so, so, uh,
1: so of know. course, the computers go from these huge room-filling machines down to this giant cabinet here. I mean, this still weighs about half a ton. It's, this yeah, is our Ferranti, Ferranti Arcus yeah. 100, and this is one of its boards. With just four transistors. Now imagine your phone's chip now has got billions of transistors in that tiny, tiny
0: little area. That, um, that, that is that you know, you, you, it, it's about they're about the size of if you imagine it's slightly thicker than a, the very smallest. I won't say watch battery, but you, you know the ones lithium cells. Yeah, and you know four of them on this on on a, on a board that you know you don't you don't see boards that size in in desktop computers anymore, they're much smaller than that Imagine now. Imagine, that's way, way bigger than your phone. In- indeed. Just that one card. That's, that's, about, that's about
1: mini iPad size. So, yes, yeah, so the rest of this on here is basically the circuit or the instruction for those transistors. Yeah. And there's about 150 in here of those boards. You can just see them all in there. Incredible. I and can, I, was, I can. Yes, and it was built for one purpose. So you, if you were in the market for a computer, you'd have to tell Ferranti, what do you want this computer to do? Mm. And this was mixing a
0: chemical called Paraquat, or a weed killer. Yeah, this is an ICI, uh, in the ICI Pilkington Paraquat factory. Yes, and it stopped. The factory had had
1: an accident in 57. Uh, This came online, I believe, or they started bringing it online in 63 and it's finished in 65. But this is the very first computer to ever have a factory built around it. Yes. So that's the importance of this very oh, machine here.
0: Built round yeah. it. Yes, so the factory was designed around this computer design. I mean, that's, that, that's incredible to say, you know, I, want, I, I have to tell the people building... It's like telling Dell, uh, I want this to do yeah. my books, or I want this to, uh, to design this, that, and the other. I want this to do uh, virtual reality. said Yes, of course, we'll send you that. I mean, you, do, you can get that, I suppose, to an extent, but not, you know, it's, it's usually not like this. Because listeners, listeners in the comfort of your own home this is, it's, it's basically, it's, it's, it's slightly tall, it's taller than a kitchen worktop. It's, it's like a kitchen unit, if you can imagine, with metal cabinets and a worktop with sort of all, all you know, old-fashioned knobs and switches. But you just said in the 19, late 1950s, I'd have said it was later than that, but you're the I mean, I, I, it just looks that way, 1963. Yeah. Um, and also, also this year, the first episode of Doctor Who's broadcast, I know that. Um,
1: but the amazing wow. thing about these computers is that, okay, this would have cost half a million pounds. Really? Um, it, the equivalent of half a million yeah. pounds in today's money, but it was in use for 20 years. Indeed. So, 65 to 85, then it was eventually, they replaced it with an IBM, because Six. it just worked. It mixed it just the chemicals out, exactly, it mm. got the... The program was able to mix the chemicals safely. They're all piped in yeah. instead of having someone heave a vat of sulfuric acid or whatever. I don't know what is in power quite, but it's very, very explosive. Um, so there was chemicals <laughs> yeah. going into the floor, gases all about the place, and of course, an accident was inevitable, which happened. This, the, the idea of these early machines is they made industry safe. That's mm. that's was their main purpose and one of these only in recent memory was taken out of use uh, the last one was in a nuclear power station
0: yeah you, you want that
1: you know it was in something. charge of its water cooling system right yeah. up until they decommissioned yeah, the that. plant because they oh didn't replace it with God. anything new because this just worked if something goes wrong with computer a on this side you've got computer b here to just think, yeah.
0: instantly click over and take over what it's doing but it's like the pace of change kind of has outstripped that. And Absolutely. I, 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 I know, that that, I'm sure that's a good thing in many ways, but but it, but in others maybe not because we've uh, there's that kind of robustness is kind of almost has been might have to rediscover that because you know we just having a, a, a conversation with Susan Gallin this afternoon about refurbishing tech, but she was very clear that progress is a good thing and that yeah. needs to continue. And speaking of continuing, let's let's, let's yes. Look on, so.
1: What else we've got here? We've got uh, a remain of a third generation machine. So, we've got a mechanical calculator here. And this mechanical calculator, it's just full, if you can look down the end there, of thousands of gears
0: and cogs. I I can confirm, listener, it is full of thousands of gears. uh, I'm not, it. I'm, that's, yeah. it looks like the kind of thing that when I was very, very young was on the, uh, the door of, a bu- of the bus when you got on. mean, You'd have to do all the, the rotors and yes. then... It's a very similar ticket. machine. Very similar machine. Um, so
1: if we quickly put a number in using these levers that are called registers, this is where the computing term comes from. Um, yeah. And I put in 356,535... And I'm now going to multiply that by 1,024. So right. I'm going to turn the handle four times. So you have indeed on this on this sort of like light brown four. machine. Now, like a computer would nowadays, it will now use more of its circuits. Or, in this thing's case, more of its wheels. So I'm going to move yeah. to the tens. I've now got 24. I don't need anything in the hundreds. But I do need a 1,000. So 1,024 times by 356,535 is... Three hundred and sixty five million ninety one thousand eight hundred and forty I can confirm that the dials do indeed say that wow,
0: and it 's it's, it's incredible because it, it, uh, in many ways should isn 't shock us because this is, this is where all today 's tech has, co- has has come from, but it is it, it, it is surprising to see something a that 's that primitive but work relatively quickly I mean not yeah. you know these days you can you, you can ask, you can ask your, your smart speaker to do it for you. It's incredible, it really is. I'm kinda really lost for words, which is not so, a good look for a, a podcaster.
1: The Nippon calculator company were one of over in Japan, they started talking to a few little start-up companies over in America yeah. and they said, Can you turn all these gears and cogs into electronic circuits? So that's when we started putting transistors in those little boxes. So the integrated circuit. Those are the first they first went into electronic calculators, right. which we've got some around there. Yeah. So all the functions of this are down into these little microchips. Incredible. And initially, they're all working separately. You've got some doing the arithmetic, some are doing the um, registers, some are doing... So essentially, on the big circuit board of the machine like that, our big IBM there. The companies initially working together like Intel, Texas Instruments, who came up with the chip from that calculator. And they all think, why don't we start putting all those functions of all those different chips into one unit? And that's where they come up with the microprocessor, right? And uh, one of our earliest microprocessor machines is our Olivetti over here. So this has got a a big vertical board with it. This has got a big vertical board in the back, big CPU in the middle of it, Mm. and um, yes, this was also in use for about 20 years. Um, We believe by the lady in the photograph here, who is um, working away on the machine, and um, they gave it to her when she retired. Alright oh, right! My goodness. But we've got other machines here that are really important to the story. We've got... This is when they were already starting to worry. The unions were starting to worry computers were taking people's jobs. Yeah. So they produced the Visible Record computer. Now, what this basically does is yes. it produces Visible Record of... Indeed, as it does. Um, but it's got this mechanic, This uh, electrical strip. So this is the first time you start seeing, like, a um, credit card strip. Yeah, you. you, you, So that stores it electronically. Yeah, and then a person can still get it out of the drawer to work on it. So the idea was that it would actually keep some human work. Yes, absolutely, no need for it at all. No, it's no. I can can
0: see why you 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 do that, but you just think, but why? Yeah, absolutely. And and it's what we're looking at is a is a sort of again another desk sized machine, uh, very industrial looking. That's not quite A four, is it? No No it's not quite A4 it's, it, 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 it's much It's narrower than A4 Taller than A4 But it has As, as, as Adrian has said uh, This uh, magnetic strip Like the one you get On, on, on your bank cards or, or any sort of Loyalty card these days Down the left hand side uh, And it, it, it uh, about, Seems about the same width Maybe a bit bigger And uh, It is as, 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 Again as Adrian says uh, the, the typed Bookkeeping Or whatever it is um, Description plant item expense. So they basically punched it all in, stored it on the magnetic strip, but they've still got the, the, the record for, yeah. for make work, basically. Absolutely. Which didn't, I imagine, last very long. No.
1: No, so uh, mid to late 60s, and then they kind of moved on. Also, you're seeing other technologies here as well. This could be seen as a very early memory card. Yeah. Um, 256
0: bits. Bits. And it's, it, it's, it's about the size... Of a, of a, of a uh, you know, a laptop, a modern laptop. Sort of slightly bigger than a notebook, slightly smaller than a... Uh, the, the kind of one I've got.
1: They were talking a uh, hard drive over there, which is basically coils of metal inside there that get magnetised to store data, so it's a big Crikey. drum. And, uh, yes, while well, we're talking about um, how data was stored as well, so we've got here a roll of paper tape. And that's alcohol, is it? So this one is, this is in Elliot's own language, this one. So this would load in a game called or tic-tac-toe or noughts and crosses. And you can see on the tape there, it's just loads of punched holes. It is loads of punched holes. Where there is a one, where there's a hole is a one, where there's no hole is a zero. And there you got your binary, yeah. That's your binary. Now, if you wanted one music track on your music player in paper tape form, you would need about 12 and a half kilometers for a four and a half. Jeez. Do you know, I knew you were gonna say something long. But it wasn't 12 and kilometres. 12 and a half kilometres, yeah. And, of course, if we move on to our next room, this is where all these companies are having to work together so the computers are getting smaller. For the computers to get smaller, what you store the data on has to get smaller. Yeah. So, so we turns a magnetic tape. Magnetic tape. And it's about 100 metres yeah. for your MP3 yeah. track. So it's an awful lot smaller than your very...
0: And where the um, Westinghouse Paper Automation? And there's a name. Yes, and so we've got these big dis- these big digital um, reels of tape on top of this, which is, you know, I think will be slightly more familiar are, to these people. These are not of my reels life. of tape. These are actually. Are they not? Ah, they I, I stand actually, printed.
1: what you can see inside there is a big magnetic
0: disc. You oh, right. I, I, you know, I saw the big, the big circular thing again, about the size of a, so, size yeah. bigger than a thirty-three. And I, I assumed, foolishly, was a tape, So yeah, not. you would
1: take that out, you would insert it into the machine, you would save your data. This would then either go into a fireproof room where you work, mm-hmm. or you would take it home. So imagine that's your USB stick yeah. of the day, about a, <laughs> um, 18 that's megabytes like or something. That's why you discus. Yes, but they soon realised that those discs could get damaged mm. quite easily, so they started putting them in enclosures.
0: Right. So here's what you would have now as a hard disk. <laughs> oh dear so yeah that's, a, that's, that's about the size of a, a large kitchen drawer yeah we, is, is, is your hard disk and what's the this is the digital PDP-11 11. PDP-11 11, yes so and we've got a PDP-1135
1: because the computer is only the part with the switches so that's your computer there oh I see um, the computer gets even smaller by 1978 so that is here so um, we've got this, this much smaller hard disk it, there. You talk, yeah, you're
0: starting more in, in, in the realm of what we recognise as a desktop size now. Yeah. Um, uh, Maynard, Massachusetts. Yes, so that was
1: apparently controlling Newmarket's traffic lights. <laughs> so, um, walk through <laughs> said, this area. We like, oh yeah, that's what he was doing. Yeah. I said, that was a pretty important job. So here's probably one of our oldest exhibits. This is a mechanical computer. It's basically a Lancaster's bomb site. Ah yes. So, is it Mark 14 bomb site? Yeah, there you go. So that's probably our oldest computerised machine or mechanical. But um,
0: so it, it, it basically does the 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 job of sort of calculating wind speed. Uh, Absolutely, a, a, a yes. Bit of an unfortunate end product, but um, wind speed, course, um, wind direction,
1: leveling. You know how level is the plane flying. Yeah. Um, and then so yes, we know when to. How yeah, to make uh, that's where computers start developing rapidly, of course. Yeah. When people want to kill each other far more efficiently
0: there's, with the military machines. I was, I was so pleased to visit Astral Park recently because my, and I'm going to shout out a her name here, my old friend Sue Simmons, who's the innovation showcase manager there, was saying that yes, I, I completely agree. Unfortunately, the need to deliver death is, is, is quite the motivator. Yeah. But also, thankfully, and this goes back to what we were, we st- where we started, is gaming. Yes. It's a huge source of, basically, so many developments have been two gamers going, do you know what we could do with? We could do with one of those. Right. It's and, they... Like, and they go, right, let's let's do it.
1: Yeah, it's like EDSAC back in 1956. Um, the engineer just wanted to see how logical his computer was. Yeah. So he writes OXO for the EDSAC just to see how more logical his computer is than uh, the human brain and of course what does he find out yeah we can make mistakes a well programmed computer cannot yes so that's it, the, that's a lot trigger, of this is, is technicians who were bored or they <laughs> wanted they wanted to push their machine in different ways we've got one programs for our PDP 11 there yeah that people wrote for their kids when they came into the office just to keep them quiet and we have, we've got some of them on these machines. <laughs> it's a real...
0: Oh, who amongst us haven't, hasn't downloaded an app Absolutely. just to keep the kids quiet? And then it's, that's how it starts. Absolutely. That's how it starts. Can you tell me... I'm, I'm intrigued, because you've got this exhibit here with Bakerloo Line, central GDP yes. computer, GC, uh, at the London Underground recently, acquired by the... Because you just think... you actually dealing, This is dealing with some pretty serious stuff.
1: Yeah. So... Um, the London Underground contacted us uh, midway through the pandemic, so we couldn't do an awful lot about it. Um, but then they, we got back in contact and they basically said, we need to find a home for at least one of our old computers that control the London Underground. So we were like, right, we're there. So we went down to visit them and we found three of these machines and they were called Mummy Bear, Daddy Bear and Baby Bear. Of course they were. Um, so... Mummy Bear and Daddy Bear control more lines. So this is the Bakerloo line. (laughs) So it's only one line. So this is Baby Bear. This is Baby Bear. Um, It was installed in 1985, I believe. Wow. And wonderful story about this was the gentleman, they bought it online in 1985, and then they retired it. Yeah, that sounds about right. In 2021. (gasps) Oh, my God. From 1985...
0: To 2020, I right. was getting flippant there, and you, you, you quite correctly p- pulled me up and, and to a dead stop, much well, like the drone. They have evolved, so
1: they're, they're essentially the same machine, but the tape drive here, you can see, has got bits of paper put in it. This was decommissioned, I believe they said in uh, 2009, I think. So they decommissioned the I tape said- drive, and then they just went over to,
0: they installed these um, backup discs. Yeah. Um, so, again, that, that's... I mean, what you've just pulled out there, uh, again, for the listener, there's, 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 there's four of the bays, although confusingly numbered zero to three, um, is, is kind of what... I mean, I know I've, I'm, I'm perhaps unusual in, the, in my portrait home. I've got a RAID server. And um, that's what I back the podcast onto. Uh, and there's, like, insertable hard drive units yes. for, for, for backing up. But what we've got is basically uh, three, file, three things the size of filing cabinet, uh, a four-draw filing cabinet. Uh, but it's got, you know, and, and I'm assuming these, these, these four l- lock seals. Yes. Uh, are they, what's what so the base They're they? later
1: as well. So yeah. again, an, another old style um, tape drive was removed and these SCSI drives were put in mm. to back the data up. So they evolved, but they worked much the same. And what's amazing is that the only reason these were retired in 2021 is because they ran out of spare parts. Yeah. They've got, in the room next door, a huge graveyard of machines that they've spent 20 years trying to replace these with.
0: Right. And they're all... My goodness. I I notice, uh, it says on your notice above this, coming soon, we'll be unveiling an exciting exhibit based around the original programme. We we look forward to that. I'm not going to depress you because... uh, Tell me me anything you can tell me, but um, that sounds like something worth coming back to see. Yeah, so
1: basically what we want to do is we want to have this line lighting up as it w- did originally so as the train went through the, st- the stations you have yeah. get these lights wow coming up and also the program the original program or a copy of it we're going to have to emulate it because we can't have it running on these machines but um it will be up on that screen that, that must be a fun challenge um yeah. to get all those things together. yeah they're going to help to us with that so that, that's great oh, well. we're going to have they had a circular each one had a circular control panel as well with a telephone and a old style mouse on it to control all this and we're gonna recreate something as similar that is fabulous. as we can it's, oh that's... you can see the control desk there oh there yes you I, there. Can,
0: I can you're right there's a, there's, a, there's a photo on this on this display board yeah wow and, and, and this is the kind of thing you really don't want any mistakes so no, we're coming back to fertiliser yeah. explosions trains bombsets yes and, um, right we'll move through to the next area so our
1: next room all about control so we've got how you would have control computers so um, it's thought back in Charles Babbage's time, Ada Lovelace might have used something like the Jacquard card just to, to get the information onto yeah. the difference engine which would have been exactly that, a great big steam engine yes. running on pistons if he'd have ever got it finished. So yeah this tells you all about data processing and um, binary and all the different languages that
0: go into computing goes right the way oh yes I, golly, golly you're right I, I, I'd look down and you know autocode COBOL FORTRAN 40s 50s and, and it continues around logo grass prologue SQL oh golly uh, and C++ oh, starting to the things ADA I wonder why they called it that um, yeah and then you've got Java Python from the 1990s these boards stretching above us in all sorts of colours lovely PowerShell Rust yeah, PowerShell yes yeah. PHP JavaScript uh, James Adams, if you're listening, and you should be, uh, fascinating stuff. Uh, you'll know all these. Um, brilliant. Yeah, thank so you. We'll be I'm definitely bringing a calculator in here. section here at oh, some point. Good. And then what
1: we've got in here is uh, it's become one of our most popular 70s office. So yes, this hey. is the 1970s office. So everything in here dates from. That time, so, um... Is it wrong I like the carpet? Oh, no, not at all. That's (laughs) absolutely deliberate. So we've got our Vidak machine in the corner here, which used 8-inch floppy disks, had a massive hard disk in the back, but also you'll notice a vertical screen.
0: Do you know what? It took me a while, but you're right. It is a vertical screen.
1: They decided if you need 80 columns, let's build the screen. Why not? That's right. Why not do it that way? And here's its massive printer. Um... Then we've got a Commodore PET. So, of course, the Commodore PET and Commodore in general, we've got to thank, really, for starting to hammer the price of the computers down. Yes. So, basically, um, they gave themselves a huge advantage by buying MOS tech, Mm -hmm. MOS technology, and they were able then to get, they've got their own research and development for microchips. Yeah. They've got, they're first in the queue for them. Yeah. And they only have to pay the cost. There's competition rules that stop this sort of thing happening now. Yeah. Yeah. And of course all these other chip manufacturers are scrabbling then to try and match performance and price. And everything's getting driven down yes. towards this to this is eventually I think somewhere at four and a half thousand dollars or something. But imagine those big PDPs are like hundred thousand. Um and this is this comes along only a few
0: years later. I mean I, I see that You've got uh, an example of sort of seventies coding, and I'm not—I wasn't quite a child of the seventies, not quite that of that vintage. But I remember my—I had a Commodore, that uh, was my—and uh, um, banging in exactly this sort of thing, ten, twenty, thirty, forty, go yeah. to go yeah. to ten. What I, my eyes taken by the the, the modem <laughs> now that you've got here, which is which is not what people think. It's it is basically, and and Adrian has just demonstrated by a, a, a very sort of. Bi- the kind of phone you got from BT in the in the seventies and eighties, sort of push button phone in, in sort of very very sexy brown uh, plastic slash bakelite whatever it, whatever it's made of, and and, and he, he pulled taken off the handset uh, and basically plonked it into the the rubber is it rubber yeah housings on on the on the modem and the last time I saw anything like that was in the movie Sneakers. Um, and they, you know, they, they were using that as a modem, and they, they yeah, they so they basically pushed it in and pulled they, it off. They the, turned the
1: t- the telephone into an in out device. Mm. So that goes in the top. That will receive data. That will send data. And um, of course, if you've got any crackles on the line, you could be in yeah, yeah It literally
0: played ones and zeros down the phone line. Of course. I mean, uh, you, again, you, most most of us will probably remember the early days of. Um, uh, of the internet where you you dialed in you know you absolutely. weren't on on, on a, on a yeah, constant yeah. constant broadband um, whoops I got my wires caught there uh, as opposed to crossed um, uh, you know you, you, you had to sit there and wait for the tones to to, to connect but, absolutely uh, dot matrix
1: there you go absolutely yes yeah, so the great big dot matrix printers like you see over there by the videk and incredibly noisy things um, we've got an HP
0: one that's deafening um, out of <laughs> the main gallery, that's huge. And there's a tiny, I, I, my eye is immediately taken by this tiny Commodore calculator simply yeah. because my dad had one. <laughs> and he'd do his bookkeeping with it. Absolutely fantastic. So, yes, we've got a
1: few mates of calculator in here. Um, Melcor, which is a name that probably won't mean very much to people until you look it up. I'll let people know.
0: Yeah, but there's, uh, you know, there's, there's the, those names kind of sort of get. First they get distilled, and then when Absolutely. technology changes they go out and in and out and in. And um, uh, so, Yeah, so
1: it's where your PC gets a little bit more personal. So this is when it gets on your desk. you are still very, very rich if you've got one of these in your Indeed. home. So Indeed, it's an IBM. You've got the it. IBM, so this is normally running Windows 1, but it's developed a problem with its uh, monitor. Windows? Do you know, I only really sort of know Windows from 3 point something or other. Yeah, so... But, being IBM, you didn't really use a mouse, you would have used the grey keys to navigate. Mm. Incredibly awkward. Um, and it's really only my um, Apple coming along, you know, with these
0: um, Oh, those are So the original Apple Mac. Yeah, so you've got the original symbols. So what size of disc is that? Is that the, 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 the size, size of that we three were... and a half inch? Three and, and a half, yeah. Yeah,
1: three and a half inch disc. And of course yeah, data's getting smaller all the time, so we're we're down to the five and a quarter inch disc, then the yep. three and a half inch. So even though that's uh, two-thirds the size of the yeah. five and a quarter, it's got three times as much data on
0: it. Indeed. I mean, I've still got a floppy drive in a box, because on the, on the you-never-know basis. Yes. Uh, behind you here, you've got the Altair, which is, of course, where Microsoft
1: started. So Microsoft right. ran, uh, wrote the basic for this machine, otherwise you'd be hitting these switches. In the <laughs> right. Absolutely so awkward to use. And if you made a mistake, you work your way around the mistake. There's no yeah. erasing the line. So Bill Gates and Paul Allen come along, and they write the basic program for the Altair, and um, they do it in only a few weeks. They have got no idea when they bring it to Altair if it's going to work. The program's right. loaded in with the paper tape, which we're trying to recreate, and um, they loaded the program in, and it came up with ready, and then I believe. Paul Allen uh, did two plus two, and it came up with four, so they knew it was working. <laughs> excellent. That's excellent. So, um,
0: you, you, you seem to have many, many labours of love yes. in this
1: building. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Adrian. Yes. One Another one here. So this is a machine built at a computer club by Steve Ferber, one of the um, Acorn engineers. So this is what he built at a computer oh my club. Goodness so me. this is the the beginnings of... Acorn hardware right here, because he used some of the principles in the later
0: machines. I'm, I will be bringing my engineer back here, because he'll, he'll love this. I'm slightly shamefaced I didn't bring him with me, but... <laughs> yeah. Well, so always, need, always uh, We've got
1: good one, to come back. one little point in computing history where everything didn't quite marry up. They didn't... they yeah, didn't keep... Yeah. And that is these big, um, what we affectionately call them, luggables. So these are some <laughs> of the first portables. We've got the Osborne one here. And so. it's because they still have to use these big discs. Yeah. So everything is sacrificed for this big media. mm mm-hmm. um, the size of the screen. The screen is tiny. Uh, yeah. Um, very it's, very hard to read when it's
0: on. Um, it looks like the kind of thing that, in the sort of seventies and eighties, um, soldiers would look around yeah. in the field. Absolutely. Uh, you know, like uh, yeah. you know, what well, the, these days they've got tough books. Well, these, this is this looks like something you, you can pack up, and you know, with, with if you're strong enough. <laughs> Yeah. Carry it around with and you. Of course it's designed
1: to be that tall, so it, w- it would have gone under an um, aircraft seat. Of, right, of okay. The time, so it had to be only a certain height, so it would go on an aircraft. Designed in
0: Cambridge, I see here, very proudly. Yeah, so that,
1: that's, um, you'll see an awful lot of that throughout the building. Ac- I actually Cambridge know so. is, um, And then, yes, we've got the three and a half inch disc. Gets the machines smaller and smaller. Um, yeah, I, I, I came from some machines, yeah. a three and a half inch disc That's what really? they were first, first in absolutely um, Yes, and then We've got our games area over here So if you want to play Ooh. any of your video game consoles We've got everything oh from the Binotone You have,
0: 1977
1: All the seven. way up to Pong. the Gamecube And then they basically they become, become PCs and boxes yes. after that Yes, so, they, they um, do
0: indeed And they got, you, you've got the Sega Master System Absolutely. Oh, the classic Nintendo ES with with Mario. Um. And then here's our Apple display.
1: So we've got Ah. an Apple One, not an original. Don't get too excited. So this one, (laughs) this was built by a volunteer. This is why we have volunteers. They're magnificent. And they basically, or he basically put this together for us from an original board. It's fully working. It behaves exactly like an Apple One, so it overheats very, very quickly. (laughs) Um, but, you know, this started Apple on their way. You've got everything now on this board you need for a computer. You've got the processor, the basic ROM, the memory, um, the, the kernel ROM, as it's called, for send all the yeah. instructions elsewhere. And, of course, from that humble beginning, they launched the Apple II, which is there. It is. Um, and the Apple II, God bless it, it's, shall we dare say, it's tad functional. It's what, sorry? So, a tad functional. So it doesn't yes. look
0: like an Apple product of today, does it? No. It, uh, for a so, company that's kind of, these days, based its, its, its rep around yeah. being sleek, being desirable, being, exactly. dare I say sexy, I dare, Yeah. sexy. This is, as you say, functional. It's yes. basically a beige with two <laughs> beige giant box. disk drives yeah. and a monitor, all one on top of the other.
1: But they were very lucky that a company called Physical wrote a program called PhysiCalc. Yes. So this is what was... We call it the first killer app. The first the killer first app. The first reason to own a computer. Yes. So this was before the days where you would write a program on one machine mm-hmm. and then you would port it to another one Yeah. and run it on that. If they wrote it on this machine, this is what it was published on. Mm-hmm. So it's not until another two years that it starts appearing on the um, Tandy machines, the yep. Shack mm-hmm. machines. And so they've got this massive head start of sales... And it helps them sell hundreds of thousands more Apple IIs. Yeah. Um, and that just shows that software as well as um, good hardware, or you don't even necessarily need great hardware. Um, if you've got really, really great software, you are going to be yeah a winner. So then we've got our newly workings. One of our guys have got our Apple III working. The Apple III? As we like to describe it, the Apple II and a half.
0: <laughs> um, it, it, it's not a great advance in terms of... No. I mean, they've, they've inter- integrated the disk drive now, but it's not a great advance in terms of its aesthetics. No. To be fair. This is our latest
1: machines. That were, I went and got this myself. I actually got this into a Ford Fiesta. Uh,
0: um, as, the, as the owner of a Ford Fiesta, I can only salute you.
1: Yes. So I couldn't see out my rear-view mirror on the way home. I shouldn't <laughs> possibly announce that. But, yeah, so this is a... What you would, I suppose you'd call it now, it's a terminal server, but the processor, everything, the computer is here. Yeah. And then you've got all these connections on the back. This one could talk to 10 terminals, and you would have your terminal on your desk working off of this one machine. Right. So imagine that's the opposite to what we've got nowadays. So you'd have your, yeah, you'd be doing your work on your desk, and um, massive hard disk in the bottom there, if you can just see.
0: Yes. Oh, gosh, Absolutely yes, I can. Enormous. Yes, I can.
1: So, yeah, these, this, in the end, by the time they fully advanced it, could handle up to 60 terminals. Um, because, yeah, at this point, even in the early 1980s, um, especially in the big business arenas, these, these machines were not personal. Wow. Incredible. Um, yes. Yeah, so we can come down further. We've got uh, some British machines people... Well, I expect a lot of your listeners would have heard of, but a lot of our visitors haven't. So these are... British business machine. So we've got Sirius, Apricot. I remember
0: Apricots.
1: I I remember hearing about them. Yeah. Um, Also, uh, there was a company here in Cambridge as well called Torch who turned the BBC Micro into a business machine. I used to have one of those. So there's Apple Macs. Here we are, designed in Cambridge again, and then Torch started producing much more sophisticated machines. The leap is incredible
0: from this this Torch machine. So this giant yeah. sort of brown. And this is another one of our purposes to bit, put yeah. these
1: machines out. People can touch them, get a feel for them. But that's
0: incredible because it's, um, it's you know obviously some of the exhibits are rightly but where people can't touch them. Yes, this one's a rare. This one's one. a rare. Um, but it, it, a It's rare Just one to get, get a feel of that, and you can just see technology advancing in just Absolutely. in front of you. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And no more so in then... If we come past our learning wall, which you will learn all about programming languages again, and what you can find inside your phone and your yes. tablet, how memory is advanced. We've got a big display on memory uh. there, <laughs> and also we've got a display here that's built by one of our volunteers. So if you take the hard disk, it will then—oh my goodness—it will then tell you all about that. You put the hard disk on, then
0: it just completely—on the, on the screen, it explodes it and, and tells you what, what, what's inside it. The processor, incredible. I mean, we 've had to add this to it, because
1: obviously now yeah this, is, this type of machine is
0: largely out of date yeah it's, I mean what we 're um, looking at is, is for listeners is, is basically uh, uh, what most of us used to uh, it 's a Windows XP, so that gives you some idea of the vintage um, and, and, and basically the components that most of us like the psu you 've got the, the, the dVd ROm drive you 've got the RAM chips, the hard drive. Uh, the the, the uh, that's a passive graphics card, and and sound card and um, modem. Absolutely, and in
1: our little display here, we've got how we need to care for these objects as well. So, this Nintendo console's had its wires wrapped around it. And yeah, and you can see that they've got a chemical on them that keeps them bendy. Yes, and they've actually melted
0: into the case. I see. So yeah, it's a. That, I mean, that's a classic slice of, 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 of Japanese technology. Yeah. Uh, you know, imagine the are Then there's
1: examples of yellowing, so plastic yeah. yellows. It doesn't yellow because of the sun. It yellows as a combination of heat will accelerate it, but it doesn't cause it. Right. So plastic is decaying all the time. It's off-gassing. It's letting off a gas. And if you trap that into a box, and you'll open that box up a good while later, or if you wrap that machine in cloth or whatever you will be trapping that gas onto the machine. And that is largely what causes the discoloration. Also, you can see this polystyrene here where the cables yeah. have e- literally eaten into so, the
0: polystyrene. As someone with uh, a certain amount of plastic on, on sort of displaying cabinets at home, um, I'll not say what it is. Um, <laughs> it's not Lego, honest. Um, is it, are you saying that it's not possible to stop yellowing? No, you
1: can slow it down. So right. our collection room is kept... Cool. Um, and that's one way of slowing it down. But, yeah, plastic decay, there is nothing you can do about it. If you've ever picked up something and the plastic's split or something, it's because, basically, yeah, yeah. it is going brittle with age. Right. OK, I owe um,
0: my wife an apology now. I will let her open the curtains. <laughs> yes. So um, uh, you, you have a line of champagne bottles I here. I do. Yes, so, basically, when
1: Arm were wrestled away from Acorn, when Acorn were rapidly going downhill in 1998, um, the, uh, the first ARM chip, or the first example of it, had been an accelerator chip for the original BBC. Yeah. So they built it into a size unit, and it was to ex- make the earlier ACOR machines more powerful. Yeah. But what they totally, accidentally realized, they I don't know if you know the story of ARM, they had created a chip that used almost no power. It right. produced almost no heat. Yeah. But because it was a reduced instruction set computer or RISC machine, it could do more but with less instructions. Right. So therefore it wouldn't use as much power, it wouldn't use as much heat, and that became the ARM chip, the advanced risk machine. And, and what see. they did is
0: every time they launched a new chip, they would launch it with a bottle of champagne. And, and it says here that uh, Sophie Wilson... Co-designed the original ARM processor, wrote on each champagne bottle, and I can see that indeed she has. Yes. And 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 again, this is 25 years of ARM, a visual history. It's more than what, that now. <laughs> um, well, of, uh, at yes. the time it was 25 yeah. years of ARM when this was put up in. Um, we do need uh, to at the end update of Q- Q3 2015. Oh, okay, yeah. But I mean it's still a still a, still a fascinating absolutely.: slice
1: of, absolutely. Of, of history. I mean it says on here as well that 98% of mobile phones use an ARM chip, not now. Others have got the share of the market clawed their way um, in. Well, basically, Apple, Apple have got the Apple Arm, which is OK. It's basically still an Arm chip, but they've, they've modified it enough to make it their
0: own. I mean, when these um, days you've got, um, you've got people in Russia yes. breaking up oh, whatever they can yeah. find to grab Absolutely. microprocessors, it's, uh, it's interesting.
1: So our last real important display here is our... Timeline of 80s Micros. Okay, right. A couple of them are late 79. Yeah, but, well, um, we split heads. But they were largely launched in 98 Yeah. Now, this is where your computer became personal to you. So, if you had one of these machines, because they were so new, it almost became tribal. Yes. So, if yeah. you owned, like, the little ZX81 here, and then your friend might have owned an Acorn Atom... Yeah. So these rivalries started coming up, it
0: became like the Playground Wars, they were called. Yes, Have you got Sinclair or have you got...? Um, yeah, have you, got, of, a yeah. Have exactly. you got a Commodore? Um, have you
1: got Dragon, the only Welsh computer down there? And then, Ooh. of course, later on, Amstrad joined the party. But this is where they really became personal. This is when they arrived in your home. Um, and of course, early on, Sinclair hits on the idea that it's your little computer and that's it. There is nothing... You're
0: holding to... Tiny. It's yeah, so ZX81.
1: It's not cost-effective, or it's completely cost-effective, so it's got a tiny case. It is it's t- only yeah. got four chips on its board. So, um, processor, RAM, video, and basic. It hasn't got a proper keyboard. Yeah. Because everything is mechanical. If you add mechanical, you're instantly bringing the price up. It hasn't even gotten on, on an off switch. Because that you would right. have put that a few onto mechanical. the mechanical. Yeah. It's got one kilobyte of memory. Um, one you kilobyte. could expand it. You could put this box on the back and you have 16K. Wow. Um, but if you wobbled that at all, That's you would you, lose yeah. everything Ooh. you've done. Which, when you're typing on a flat keyboard, is. And, of course, then he hits on the idea that we won't sell you a monitor. We won't yeah. sell you disk drives. Indeed. You have got everything... You need in the home already. So you've got a TV, you've almost certainly got a spare TV. Yep. Mm-hmm. Your spare TV's likely to be black and white. So exactly it as my guitar's well Yeah, exactly. It's got no sound capabilities. Yeah. And for your in and out device, you'll use a cassette player that you play on your music. So you're not buying all this extra
0: extraneous matter, yeah. Um, then you would get your book, that you would program your old machine mm-hmm. with. You are leafing through the Sinclair ZX81 basic programming manual.
1: By the time you've worked your way through that, you would be pretty competent. And that led to business in the UK, particularly, Mm -hmm. called the Bedroom Coders. We'd have Ah. young people, sadly almost always boys, (laughs) um, working away, selling their programs to publishers and making some quite serious amounts of money doing it. So they would, they would go down their arcade, they would copy the arcade machine, they'd make variations of it. Some were straight ports. We've got Bomb Jack running on the Spectrum down here, which is a very, very good copy of the original arcade machine. Oh, yes. And um, I might not pick Spectrum there, but yeah, you could play the arcade game in yeah. your home. And then obviously break into the code and vary it in some way. Indeed. Um, I mean, uh,
0: just, just you sort of mentioned boys, although I have, I have to sort of give a shout-out for, for um, Robin Milton, who I recently interviewed, who set up a, a game focused, uh, gaming company, a computer games company, focused on uh, women, on female games. Yes, absolutely. Called Fairer Games. Yeah. And um, she was a fantastic interview. Um, and uh, look forward to, uh, to...
1: Yes, well, thank goodness now room. the
0: tide seems
1: to be turning Indeed. back. Indeed. And equalising this. Absolutely. Um, because back in the 1980s, I can give you a terrible example of what happened. Mm. Is that I had to pick my specialist subject, so I picked baking. Right. Um, a young lady in my class named Nikki. she picks computer studies. Yeah. Called to the head minister's office with Swap Round. Oh, dear. Now, nah. thankfully, I think that those days are right. behind us. Yes, thank goodness, because what they ended up with by the end of the second term was a terrible baker... <laughs> in Nikki and an even worse computer studies programmer in myself, I couldn't get the hang of it. <laughs> which is why I didn't pick it. Yeah. So eventually, what they did was they moved me back into baking, but they didn't put Nikki back into computing studies. Oh, good grief. So, um, it was very, very strange time, indeed, and mm. absolutely no reason for it whatsoever, other than marketing. They marketed these machines, mm. and... Of course, all the early lady pioneers, like I was talking about Mary Coombs earlier. Uh, yes, indeed. And all the ladies that would have programmed the um, Susie machine down the bottom there. And I was speaking to one recently and she said, the only reason I left the industry was because I raised a family. There's no childcare, you were expected to raise that, that family. Mm. And by the time she came back in like, the 1980s, things had
0: moved on. Yeah. Way and and that, that's, that's the trouble, isn't it? You can't, you can't keep up. I'm, just, I'm noticing you have an Amiga A1200. A yeah. yeah. I had an A500, but he's pl- playing Magic Pockets. Yeah. And,
1: of course, this situation arose where you're left with the Commodore's Amiga and the Atari ST, plus the cheaper PCs, if you could afford them, from Alan Sugar, because he yeah. was getting them made in, uh, I think, it was Singapore. So they were far cheaper than the IBM alternatives. Because none of these companies along here learned the huge lesson that Microsoft was already teaching the world, even in the um, mi- mid to late 80s, which is you licence your software. Yeah. So, none of these companies were making any money out of the software. Yeah. So, one after the other, their margins were getting lower as the competition increased. So many of these machines were produced. Yeah. And eventually, you were just left with the American giants.
0: Yeah. Well, I, re- I always remember, you looking for a computer, you look for the words, IBM PC compatible... Not Absolutely. an IBM PC, just yeah. compatible. There you go. Oh, sorry. i sorry, I remember how to, to, to play uh, Magic Pocket, <laughs> and I used to have that for my, uh, for my computer at home. It a soundtrack by Betty Boo, as the memory serves. I've still got one Amiga disc at home. But of uh, course, with the, with the loss of these micros,
1: people weren't going to programme on their, Be- on their um, Commodores and what have you. So kids were like, "Well, I did. I went back to consoles. Mm. You don't program yeah. a console. No, you don't have to. It's, there's, n- n- uh, there's no, no so it's, no, m- it's, m- it's m- all f- done for you. You've got that complete dislodge between programming
0: and playing the final product. But computers can be uh, upgraded. Absolutely. Uh, you know, yeah. one component at a time, perhaps. But in a way that you know, once once you know, Nintendo or Sega or Sony or whoever it is, uh, have done with they've done with that module." Yeah. Uh, then you're left with just basically a piece of plastic, yep. and the games yes, you've so. already bought. But of course, That's it.
1: These machines weren't terribly compatible. These machines, so Commodore were gone by '94. And Atari, yeah, they produced the um, Atari Jaguar console. They started concentrating on consoles, and of course, they just became a publisher after yeah. that. And all this, all that was lost. And I think it was in. So in 92 or 97, I can't remember which government it was, but they decided to teach kids how to use a computer rather mm. than how to actually get it working, programming. So we were left with this horrible like, 15-year skills gap when they suddenly realised, we've got to get people coding again.
0: Yeah, and that's why I was saying... Um, we've got things like tech educators that started in, in Norwich but they're sort of branching out across the country that's, that's teaching people to code from the ground up and they've got people driving diggers and in the day yeah. and then going to learn to code at night. We've got sort of boot camps, more advanced things and uh, there's so much good stuff going on. Adrian, thank you so much. I've really, really enjoyed it and I will be coming back with with the family and with my engineer slash father-in-law uh, to look at, at all this fantastic stuff. What a pleasure to see it all. Um... Thank you for your time. Yes, so,
1: yeah, we're open Wednesday through to Sunday. Good news. 10 until 5. So, yeah, anyone locally or further afield, yes, do come down and see us. Please do come. Centre Computing History. Uh, Remind us of your website address. So we're www.computinghistory.org.uk. And, uh, yes, that's one of the things with our website as well that's uh, really amazing is if you can't make it down to the museum, our entire collection is actually online. Wow. So you yeah. can see everything we've got, all the software, the hardware, it's all photographed
0: yeah. and brought up. I can't recommend it highly enough. I've had a thoroughly awesome. enjoyable couple of hours here. Excellent. And uh, do, do please come to Cambridge. It's really easy to get to. Give it a try. I've been back to the Centre for Computing History since this was recorded, and I urge you to visit... There's guaranteed to be something that'll take you back to your childhood. And the stories behind the exhibits, conveyed so brilliantly by Adrian, are amazing. Please do visit. It's really easy to get to. And you can find out more at computinghistory.org.uk Eastern Promise. There's a Prior's Croft production for the Eastern Promise East Anglia Community Interest Company.